Hey guys, it's Alfredo. And this is Brian. And this is Film Purgatory. So thank you guys so much for joining us this week. This week we're talking about a big, big name. Very big name. BF name. I didn't say BFG because we're not talking about that. What's a BF name? BF. Like big friendly name? Big friendly. Name? D. Big friendly director. Nice. You know, uh, he does come across as friendly even though I've never heard anything about him really. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to start the rumor that he's not. not. Oh. He's a jerk. Phone Purgatory, you heard it here first. So we're the new TMZ now. Steven, you're a jerk. Get the cheese man from us. Listen to the episode, though. But uh, yeah, we're talking about Steven Spielberg, one of the greatest, if not arguably the greatest, directors that uh, we're going to cover in this podcast. I'm not going to say the greatest because I'm biased. I, you guys know who my goat is. I mean, the uh, bias is important when it comes to art, I mm. think. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way to quantify mm. greatness. You know, it's just and when it comes to stuff like this. For me, he's not my goat either. Mm. Uh, although, he is on the Mount Rushmore of directors. Oh, yeah. To me, like, there's yeah, no... I, think, I don't yeah. think there's an argument, really. No. But my bias is that he's not my, my favorite. Right. Right. But he just has countless classics. Classics. He, he produces hits. So, Steven Allen Spielberg, Sass, if you will, was born December 18th, 1946. Brian, how old is he? Quick maths. 75? Uh, could be. I don't know. Yeah, sounds right. <laughs> uh, he was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, so he's a Bengals fan. That's he's... sad, but I'm sure the, the money from these movies he... cure that sadness. That's gross. It's disgusting. But um, this guy has an amazing resume three oscars 192 wins uh 223 nominations 33 movies overall the guy the guy just knows what he's doing 192 oscar wins no 102 192 wins in general not just oscars for like golden globes oh okay okay seriously like awards that. awards yeah okay, okay. awards Oof, you had me a little no 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 i was like damn no yeah that, that would be really hard to argue the bill belichick of, yeah, <laughs> of he, making movies man wouldn't be that good but the next Saban, if you will. I think with this amount of movies or success that he has, I'm going to call it, Bri. I think we should do the top 15. I think we enjoy the mm. top 15, and it helps us, uh, you know, get get to the most important movies. You know what I'm right. saying? Because he has plenty. Not that they're not worth talking about, but right. I think some stand out over others. And mm. of the 33, we're, we're doing the top 15 because they deserve right. to be at least mentioned, many of them. Mm-hmm. And he has, he's just, most of these are hits. I would say, like, what, 14, no, 13 of these are straight hits? Maybe all of them? I mean, if you think about it, um, 33 films, more than half of them being good movies. Yeah, that's, that, that, you're doing something right. Not just good, memorable. You know what I'm saying? That's the hard part, I mm-hmm. think, which is what he does well. It's like, these are movies that hold up over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've said it before. There are certain movies you, you I, I am going to show, you know, to my children and grandchildren. Like, I don't care how old they are. Mm-hmm. I'm forced to watch it. Very nice. Pop, pop. Make sure that they listen to the episode, though. Yeah. <laughs> 2087. So starting off this top 15, Film Purgatory top 15 now remember guys this is going to be a bias this is going to be our opinions mm-hmm. um our experiences yeah well like what we think right steven spielberg's top 15 is name starting off with i think one of the most underwhelming out of, out of this list would be lincoln this movie follows the life of abraham lincoln mm-hmm. and 
I'm not sure how accurate it is because I'm not, you know, a historian buff. I'm a movie buff. Eh, but, you know, like you said, it wasn't really that well paced. Daniel Day-Lewis did kill it. But when does he not? When does he not kill it? That's true. Very selective. You can, you can, you can expect it. We were talking earlier about, uh, what was that movie that you were talking about? Uh, the Darkest Hour? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. The biopic of Winston Churchill. Right, right. So, like, I, I think a lot of these movies that are biopics really heavily, heavily relies on the acting. Completely uh, agree. Specifically the, the lead actor. So, Daniel right. Day-Lewis did kill it. Um, but you did mention earlier that, like, a bad biopic would be the fault of the director. Yes. yes. So, I like that. I like that. So, like, would you say that this is a... Because it wasn't really that well paced. It was a little boring. It was and it boring. Dragged. Yeah, it did. It did. It was. It was very like, I guess a good word is just dramatic. And mm. I know I understand it's a drama, you know. Mm. And maybe I'm biased because that's not my favorite genre. Maybe it's not as entertaining for me. But this was just very dramatic, given its time, given the the stakes at hand. But outside of the meetings in Congress, when they were voting and they were all arguing, you know, in their in their those big rooms with all the congressmen and councilmen, whatever you want to call them. Uh, aside from those scenes, the movie was boring. It wasn't didn't have any. I thought it was gonna be, you know, like The Darkest Hour. It was. It's, it's funny. I watched The Darkest Hour and I thought, oh, this is what Lincoln should have been like. So, so yeah, it, it's at 15 because performance and it's, I guess, of, of all his not great. You know, of all the movies that are not memorable of Steven Spielberg's, this would be his best one. I would say. You know, this one. There's plenty more to talk about, but. Right. I think this one is easy because it's Lincoln, Diner Day Lewis. So to me, 15, good spot for this movie. Shout out to Abraham Lincoln. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. You got the job done. But he got the penny. Yeah, that's kind of. I feel like Lincoln should have been on the, on like the 10. I would have been mad. Like if I did that, I don't know how Diner Day Lewis is not mad. I would have been mad. (laughs) For him? I'm going to start the rumor that Abraham Lincoln was a nice guy. He was cool. Damn, bro. It's like I heard that somewhere. I'm not Mm. sure. I believe he was an honest man. I don't know, man. I'm going to start that off. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to a different genre. Uh, I guess a more contemporary genre. At number 14, we choose artificial intelligence. You know, artificial intelligence, I have such a like vivid memory mm-hmm. of that movie. Because I remember watching it in theaters. And it was just strange, you know. But above all, it was just very sad. Yeah, you know, it gave me my first ever like existential crisis. It's mm. like, oh my god, the future! What if I die? And you right. come back and like, there's nobody around, you know, because the ending was his mom coming back for a day that the aliens granted this robot. Like, okay, we'll, right. we'll, we'll bring it back, but only for a day. And it's just this, you know, Earth is this barren ice wasteland, right? And it's like, it's just sad. It's depressing. I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of of that ending, but o- overall, the movie was was very sad. This story follows this. This little boy, played by uh, Haley Joel Osment, mm-hmm. as a kid from The Sixth Sense. Yep. And uh, he's a robot. He's programmed to love. And I guess he's trying to fill the void that a family has over a, a lost child. Yes. Um, and it is sad. It, it's a sad movie because, you know, I guess the, the artificial intelligence, um, Haley's character, it grows a uh, conscience. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he, he. I think they're made that way. Like they're made to to be part of the family, um, right. like plug and play kind of thing. Like, okay, you don't have to teach him love or anything. No, they they come that way, and and you come to realize that just you know, it's almost like a morality issue. And and this has been touched upon in many movies, not right. just in this one, but 
it's uh, it's that old uh, you know oh just because they're made by us doesn't mean mean they're worth less right, right, right you know i remember we've talked about that in for example irobot or prometheus stuff like that we didn't talk about that. well not in the episode oh okay, okay. we've had conversations right, right, where right, like right. these these type of beings where they grow a conscious they grow the same emotions as humans mm-hmm. they're essentially the same as us would they be considered i mean like at what point are they not artificial intelligence because it doesn't make the, uh, the humans I mean it, has, it can't mimic feelings it can't mimic thoughts it can't mimic emotions well in, in, in AI I think he did no I thought, I thought no he, he did but oh. like they, they're not able to right now so at what point do they start becoming oh you mean in our real life right in our real life Ooh, yeah. that, see and that's where the blurred line starts to come in you right. know because if you're born into a society where robots are already you know acting like humans for you it's like they're the same as us right but for somebody like us maybe when we're 60 mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's like androids walking around our house we're helping our us old selves with daily activities it's like do we treat them like sheep and dogs or do we treat them like a fellow man so steven spielberg had his mom who was a, a pianist and his dad was an electrical engineer uh-huh. so he grew up with that a little bit of both 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 of that arts and that science, science background okay. so a lot of his films he's associated with a lot of sci-fi or science fantasy or what was it that armando had said science sci-fi <laughs> sci-fi yeah yeah science okay, fantasy so, so there is um you, you see that a lot of it in his work being constant <coughs> which i love it's great one of the best to ever do it so uh, i do appreciate that and this is one of the the films that you can appreciate that artificial intelligence mm-hmm. it's a very good film it's sad but it's still pretty good Mm-hmm. A, the Color Purple would be number 13. This movie is um, a little bit different than what he's used to, a little bit different than what we just mentioned. I do like this film. It um, it follows the gradual trauma of uh, Seely. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but when am I not? <laughs> She's a slave. Uh, it's during the 1900s, and you follow her life and all the hardships and adversities uh, being a slave. And this one is... I can appreciate this film not because not only because of the content and how how real it is, how raw it is, and and you can appreciate that, but of the ambition. This is the first time. This is what what year was this uh, movie made? Nineteen eighty five. Eighty five. So at this point, Steven's been around for maybe ten years. Bears won the Super Bowl that year. Eighty five Bears. Let's go. Steven's been around for maybe ten years. Uh, but I like the ambition of him actually covering this historical piece. And I think he did a very good job. I think the acting was done very well. One thing we can appreciate about Steven Spielberg is his range. There is no doubt about that. And he had a lot of help. You know, we have Oprah Winfrey, Whoopi Goldberg, Danny Glover. So, very good movie. Very strong, very raw. Uh, I definitely recommend it. And coming in at number 12, we have Minority Report. Tom Cruise comes in, guns blazing, ready to piss Brian off with another movie, Minority Report. That movie was fire. This one was more fast-paced. It is. Uh, I like the concept of it. Basically, this feature, there's no crime in this section. It's not the whole world. It's just this section of the world. And it happens to be because of these uh, three beings that can predict the future. And so these police officers, they stop the future. Um, They stop the crimes from happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, they prevent it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, unfortunately, you know, Tom just happens to be involved in one of the crimes, and he's trying to run. He's on the run, and he's looking for the minority report. The minority report is that little gray area, that error that, that, that could happen. You know, right. These beings could be wrong, mm-hmm. and that, it, that the answer lies in the minority report. Okay. Um, but like you said, very well paced. Um, 
a lot of action. I love the action. I love the concept. I like the visuals. Again, you see a lot of the sci-fi in Steven Spielberg's films. Yeah. And I feel like he does that very, very well. His visual effects, fantastic. This movie was in 2005. 2002. 2002. Even, even older. Yeah, even so, exactly. like, he doesn't seem like it. Um, I think it aged very well. Yep. And I think Tom kills it. What's up? Come at me. Nah, he does. I'm not hating. You know, I just, I, I don't think all his movies are great, but this one is a good one. It's a good film. Thanks to Steven Spielberg. What is in 2005 would be War of the Worlds. That would be our next uh, installment in this one, number 11, War of the Worlds. Uh, again, Tom Cruise comes in, says, fuck Brian, I'ma kill this bitch. He had a lot of movies in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, even to late. He was the guy in 1990, like the 1990s. Yeah. Now, this movie, I remember when I was a kid, I was very scared. I didn't want to watch it. Right. Because it was like aliens taking over the worlds. You know what? Not my thing. <laughs> uh, but later on, obviously, I, I matured and watched it. I did enjoy it. Uh, I know it's based on that novel. I don't remember the name of the, of the author, but I know it's a very popular novel. So was it George Orwell? No. Was it? Uh, I, I don't remember, but I know it's a, a very popular novel. H.G. Wells was the guy. Um, but there was a broadcast. I remember there was a broadcast back then that was was so so real. Um, With the first movie you're referring to? The, no, there, there was a radio broadcast. In uh, 1977, it's by Orson Welles. Supposedly, like, he had done a broadcast of the world of the worlds and like there was this like alien invasion and it was so real it's done it's so real people actually believed it that's interesting yeah it was pretty cool but um i like this film again visually aesthetically pleasing uh, i think the effects are great the acting was great uh, who's the little girl who's the little girl that dakota fanning dakota fanning i feel like she fell off yeah yeah she had she had all this potential hmm. and she had that other movie a uh, man on fire with denzel one thing that I did appreciate in this movie that was a little bit different, not just like the visual effects, but the score. The score was pretty good. Like it did a very good job at building suspense. And at number 10, we have a very classic film. One of the older ones. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I know you like this one. I like it because when I was a kid, well, first this movie's from 1977. So just two years after one of his most famous movies. <laughs> wonder which one. Yeah, it, this is 1977 and it's a... Uh, to me, it is a classic. Like it had a, a pretty profound like influence, I would say, because I've never even been a big like alien person, like afraid of aliens or anything. Right. But this movie just got under my skin. Of course, I did watch it at a young age, but still, like to this day, I can't mention more than two movies, you know, this one included, that that really got under my skin that were alien related. I remember the most recent movie called The Fourth Kind. Mm -hmm. Is that in relation to that one? Uh. It, it's in relation to the to the kinds, yeah. Like fourth kind is is abduction. That would be like the the furthest. That one's creepy. Yeah, that one's really creepy. Like, and that's another one that I, again that I have to say did get under my skin with, with right. this alien stuff. And I was like, weird, yeah. So these movies they do a good job, uh, especially with like the way they portray mm -hmm. the UFOs and how they come. It's just the unknown. I think we've spoken about this. The unknown is almost like our number one fear. That's well, scary. number one fear is public speaking. I think number two is death. But I feel like I could do it. <laughs> what get abducted I'd, I'd get abducted and public speak unto these bitches that's tough I'll do it that's tough I'm shout good. out shout out to the aliens I'll stay in my house with not, not being abducted I'll be abducted by some, some some Burger King but again you have a constant theme in this one Steven Spielberg science fiction I think um, you know this is one of his earlier films so he's still establishing himself but I think I think he did a very good job um, being one of his first films and setting the tone uh, I don't know how visually it is like 
Does it show a lot? Any nudity? No, no. From what I remember, it didn't yeah. show much, which is kind yeah, of like that. Remember, it's 77, so no. they're not showing much, but it, 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 it gets to you. Like I said, they, they build it well. They build that tension well where, you know, you understand the, the, the gravity of, this, of the situation. Already going into number nine, and this goes into a film that we already talked about. We covered this film uh, along with some other ones in our actors week yes we've done a tom hanks week and we covered terminal terminal number nine you know i didn't know it was directed by steven spielberg until i looked over looked it up clown i honestly did not know that it's a it's a good film not like the films that we've talked about previously again this is another change of pace um this just this just shows the range that steven does have and and this is an entertaining film it's entertaining, uh, like you said. Change of pace is a little funny, but it does have its uh, wholesome moments, its heartfelt moments, mm-hmm. uh, relatable maybe for like immigrants stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, I think this is one of those movies I'm putting. I don't mind at nine, but I have to give credit to Tom Hanks. I think maybe another actor, maybe another portrayal wouldn't have given mm-hmm. this movie the the acclaim that it, that it has. I think I have to give Tom Hanks the, the credit. But regardless, it's Steven Spielberg week, and he's the director. Mm. And this isn't a movie that, oh, you know, the, the score or stuff like, or cinematography. This is just straight performance and writing, mm. I think. And the uh, Spielberg and Hanks come together really well for this movie. Uh, they do work together a lot. There have been several films that they, they have worked. It just works. Um, you know, when you have one of the greatest directors and one of the greatest actors working together consistently, you, you have to be doing something right. Um, aside from the acting and judging Steven on just the things that we can, which would be the pace and the scoring and, and everything that relates to the movie itself, I think it was done very well. You know, aside from Tom Hanks's stellar performance, I think that this movie did not leave you bored at one point in the movie. Nope. So I think that that's, that's fantastic. The storytelling was great. He did a very good job. Expertly paced and all around made this movie uh, a great movie um, agreed um, we did talk about it again in our Tom Hanks uh, episode mm-hmm. so if you want a little bit more information on it go back listen to the episode and speaking of Tom Hanks number 8 Catch Me If You Can Catch Me If You this Can this is another meetup with, uh, with Spielberg and Hanks ho 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 oh there's another actor excuse me there is the GOAT Leonardo I know I'm the best, DiCaprio. You you constantly changing these nicknames. This is this is hard. I can't I can't just stick with one. Catch me if you can follows a basically a scam artist, and I believe this movie is based on a true story. This is yes. It's a scam artist, and he's kind of just playing around with the authorities, right? There's one agent uh, who's trying to catch him, but he kind of just slips by him every single time. It's a very exciting movie. It has a it has some some humor, right? But it's it's mainly just story. It's like it's pretty. It's very well paced, right, right? And the story is done well. And of course, you have Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom okay. Hanks. So there's no, there's no fall off of acting. This is a high quality movie. I think um, Frank Abagnale is the character that Leo plays, and, and he was a real life scam artist. Um, I think the the collaboration that Tom and Leo do is very well. I feel like they should do more movies together. Agreed. I think the dynamic was done very well. But again, putting acting aside, there was not one moment in this movie that, you know, you felt bored. You don't feel like two hours pass by. And that's something that Steven does very, very good. It's not just 
a one-trick pony. And that's where you get you can appreciate in movies like Terminal, in movies like Catch Me If You Can, in right. movies like The Color Purple. Because right, it's not right. it's not just, you know, I can do sci-fi very well. No, I can branch out and do a lot of different things. Drama. I can tell you, yeah, this would be considered what? Like a... Like a drama thriller? Yeah, drama thriller Maybe. or something. It's almost like a little bit of a biopic, exaggerated, okay, on Frank yeah. Abagnale. So, I like the ambition. I yeah. like... Although it focused... Uh, uh, I get the comparison. I would say the only reason I wouldn't say biopic is just because like it, the focus is more the game between Abno uh, and and Tom Hanks' character, the the authorities. Uh, I would consider it more of an adventure because, you know, you can't make Lincoln is a drama. For oh yeah, sure, that's yeah. drama. But you can't make the. Yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable calling this a drama. There's some dramatic scenes, yeah, but I feel at the most part it's more of like a how is I mean the movie says it itself. Catch me if you can. Like how am I gonna get away with it? Like right, it's, right. it's, it's, it's very more exciting. Strong. It's yeah. more thriller. No, it's more thriller than, right. than anything else. I and agree. Again, these movies are always going. To, Hollywood's always going to exaggerate a lot of facts. You know, it's it, it's just what it does. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a fun movie. It's a very fun movie, and you know, it's a type of movie that I'm always going to watch. If it's on, definitely, I'd be down to watch it right now. I don't care. Uh, number seven. This uh, I'm very biased with this one. I love this movie. I know. When it came out, man, I was so excited. I did not expect it to be that good. Right. You know, it's like it, it surpassed expectations way better than what the trailer showed. And we're talking about Ready Player One. Going back to the roots, sci-fi, and man, one of the biggest things in this movie. I know that both you and I can appreciate would be the the nostalgic feeling that that we get in these movies. Yeah, this movie focuses heavily on. On adventure and nostalgia, like right. it really just takes you back. Anybody from the '90s, you know, early 2000s, right? Uh, maybe even '80s. I'm sure the '80s people, a lot of the, 80s, right? Uh, '80s people definitely will appreciate this as well. So it's, it, you know, when you have a movie that spans relatability to multiple generations, mm-hmm. you know, and the effects here, like when you want to talk about visual effects, like this movie almost takes it. I would right. say there's only maybe one or two that he's made better than this. This the effects are amazing. Uh, consistently the the climax of the movie fantastic the story is is wholesome it's it's relatable I think the characters are nothing special but the story is so well written and the, the effects are done so well I think uh, the, the proper word would be like it captivated me throughout the entire movie and again you don't feel like it's been two hours after the movie yeah I like the concept on this one this one introduced the the oasis the oasis would be like this virtual world that uh, even nowadays like in the real world there's something that you know people would love to talk about you know we have the metaverse uh, yeah we have concepts like um the what's the the oculus or oculus or the vr mm-hmm. stuff that we're slowly trying to that's where we're going yeah get into we're wetting our feet a little bit if, oh, if yeah. you will and this concept just dives into that you know this virtual world and the escape that people like to use is as and it's it's a very real concept and, and and i appreciated it again it was littered with so much nostalgic elements nostalgic characters nostalgic music nostalgic everything um i feel like that's always going to be an element that people can appreciate in, in movies that's why music is being more incorporated into a lot of these movies nowadays um, so this film does a very very good job and it does help when a lot of the characters that are being used in this, uh, Stephen already owns the rights to them. So that's why you do see Jurassic Park, uh, Dinosaur Center. That's why you do see King Kong. That's why you do see a lot of different others. The, De- the DeLorean. 
which is another film that Stephen was involved in. Um, so a lot of these things that you, you, you can appreciate. For um, sure. Not just of, of the story, because the story, I mean, like, it was, um, it was good. It wasn't the best. It was strong. But more so, it was entertaining. Very entertaining, correct. Very, very that, that's, entertaining. The, that's the way, that's why it's a number seven. Right. And number six, we have one of our favorite movies. I know it's one of your favorites, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan holds up well to this day, and it's going to keep holding up well. Right. Uh, my opinion, the best war movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even think many come close to, to this, you know, the pacing, right. uh, the cast, mm-hmm. just the, the storyline. Really, really good uh, climax, really good conclusion. Mm-hmm. There's no complaints. There's right. no complaints about this movie. And it's nothing out of this world, the storyline. It's just... It's in the name. It's, it's Saving Private Ryan. And I guess it's more of the, the journey to getting to Ryan. Being both uh, action-packed and filled with emotional moments, would you say? Yeah, definitely emotional. Uh, I'd say it's uh, 1995 this movie came out. So plenty of plenty of living veterans. Right. That, that probably definitely hit home for them. Right. Uh, I believe this movie is considered the most accurate portrayal of D-Day. I did hear that. I did hear that plenty of times. Which makes sense. It was the, the, the opening scene. It, it, it hooks you immediately. This right. is one of those movies that from the beginning you're hooked and right. it does not feel, I think, what, two and a half hours it is or whatever? Something like that. I don't even know and I don't care. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, right. Whatever it is, it doesn't feel like it. It's a, mm-hmm. just a great movie. Great, yeah. great ride. Oh, of course. Um, is this Steven's first uh, stab at a war film? Nope, that takes us to number five. I think this is Steven's first stab at a big, uh, at tackling a major war. Okay. Um, like battle? Like, yeah. Like, it, it shows battle, like you said before. It was portrayed very accurately. And um, it did depict a lot of of real emotions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there is an asterisk, and it leads to number five. And that would be Schindler's List. This does have to do with... Uh, war film World War Two, but it's not necessarily depicting any war scenes just the aftermath or the, the cruelty of World War Two, right specifically in Auschwitz this does follow a uh, the experience of the of the citizens not necessarily the the soldiers right exactly so this one this one hits home specifically to Stephen Stephen is a Jewish American director and um, he did donate everything he earned from this movie he didn't take one penny out of this movie and he donated it all to uh one specific uh foundation foundation i can't think of it off the top of my head but it did uh, it did deal with you know the jewish community so this this movie did hit home for him and i think these films are very tough to criticize and i did mention this in the adam sandler film um when it deals with topics that are very hard when it hits home to a lot of people like 9-11 or the holocaust it's hard to judge it because it's it's just a sensitive topic um i don't think that they get a free pass but i feel like their criticism is very heavily lighted like it's 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 very light compared to other movies i see what you're saying you know so like it's not it's not really fair to judge it hard it's, it's almost like looked down upon. Yeah. But. Because it's an accurate portrayal. Exactly. But. Okay. This movie is entertaining. This movie is. I don't know how accurate it is. I, I never lived through it. Mm-hmm. But. Um, 
I feel like Steven did a very good job at depicting the cruelty okay. and the hardships that these people did go through at this time. It was this movie was done in black and white. Um, that almost feeds into like the authenticity of this film, uh, at least during this time. Mm-hmm. It, it follows Oscar Schindler, who was a real life uh, German businessman during okay. this time, and his actions did save uh, over a thousand Jer- uh, Jewish people in Auschwitz. That's amazing. The fact that this was a real person and these, again, Hollywood does embellish. So we can't say that, you know, everything happened exactly, exactly like, right. like it did. But the fact that this was a real life event, a real life person and lives were saved, you know, it just bumps this movie up that much more. You know, it's that much more significant, not only historically, but um, what we see, because, yes, Hollywood does embellish. But I would not be surprised the type of uh, treatment that these people actually did receive it I, I would imagine it'd be a lot worse so Schindler's List number five Christ not the top five yeah number four though a little bit more lighthearted. very lighthearted. uh more alien mm. topic uh, another one et. but this right but this one <laughs> E.T. was a oh. uh, very very lighthearted. you know wholesome right. emotional sad uh, some drama and um, but I would say accurate portrayal of how like we would handle a situation like that. Right. It was an adventure, kind of. Right. If I find an et in my backyard. I mean, it depends. If he's friendly, hmm. I'll try to communicate. Like, hey, what's up? You know, because what if his, his family's coming, you know, and they're like mean. They're angry. They think that I kidnapped. He'll be like, no, nah, no, nah, chill. This guy's cool. You know, okay, he gave me yeah. some some coffee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he gave me a beer. You know, he's a, he's a nice guy. I'll be like, all right. You know, it's, don't 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 probe me. Hmm. So, yeah, I think I'll just I'll play it, play it cool. Nice. This is a this is a very this is a family film. Family, lighthearted. Yeah. Good point. Bring this at back to its own place. Extraterrestrial. You know, it's made of uh, Play-Doh. Really? Play-Doh and chicken wire. What? Yeah. That's funny. It's weird. Very weird. But happy for your success, Stephen. Cracking into the top three. And uh, spoiler alert: we did do an episode on this one. If you haven't heard it, you're a fake fan. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, number three, I guess we've said everything there is to say, but it's Indiana Jones, the mm. all three movies. Mm. Well, four, it's four movies, and mm. with a fifth on the way. Yeah. This is, I would say, the most classic, like, adventure mm. film, really. When you think of adventure and, and, and going on quests and, you know, fighting off the bad guys, stuff like that. It just lighthearted stuff because it's not gory either it's not, right. there's no like serious topics that are going nothing philosophical or nothing with morality it's just right. it's all about the adventure and mm-hmm. the fun that, that then we have uh, and doing good deeds right mm-hmm. um, that Indiana Jones uh, goes through you know it's funny because Stephen always wanted to do a Bond film and in the 70s he was very much interested in, in making a Bond film but he was uh, he was denied when, I guess when he was pitching the film, like it, it just didn't click. Okay. But after that failure, he did go on vacation with his very close friend, uh, George Lucas. You guys might know him as the creator of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And on one of their vacations together, um, Stephen actually got the inspiration of one of his most famous characters, a wisecracking archaeologist that goes on different adventures, Indiana Jones. And so uh, there was a point in which he actually told... George is like, oh, I have a character that's even better than Bond. And in a lot of ways, a lot of people might agree. Indiana Jones is a little bit better than... I'm sorry, like you mentioned, is a more family-friendly Bond. 
a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I like indie. I've always loved indie. I've always had that as one of the the best adventure films. So it's not excited about the fifth one. Number two. So in three separate occasions. Uh, Steven Spielberg has had the highest grossing films in cinematic history. Once with a movie that we're going to mention later, another with E.T., and again with the most recent, Jurassic Park. And Jurassic Park is one of the best franchises, hands down, out there. Very influential, and I think uh, quality is the first word. Right, it's like mm. the effects still hold up, man. Still hold up. Like, there are movies I see, and I think to myself, how the hell did did we get Jurassic Park in 1995 and it looked that good it's great you know that's one thing I I really have to give to Spielberg he he does not ever cut corners on quality Mm. you know I think that's his his best his best quality right as a director Um, the effects are amazing story is great Mm -hmm. right I I love the the dialogue in these movies like hey you know we spent so much time wondering if we could and we didn't ask if we should and I like that line that's a good line that you can apply to many aspects of course if you guys remember in the Jurassic Park episode, damn, we do a lot of episodes. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Steven did manage to beat out another director in getting the rights to this film. And, you know, like we said in that episode, like it would not have been the same if it was anybody else except for Steven. Steven did make a lot of decisions in this film. Uh, he took a lot of liberties that paid off at the very end. And Jurassic Park uh, is one of the greatest franchises, like we mentioned before. And I remember talking to you and, and, and realizing, and this goes into what you were saying, influential. You know, when you think of a dinosaur film, there's no other movie that you think of that comes to mind except Jurassic Park. Right. Just the gravity of, of or the, the influence of Jurassic Park is just, you know, phenomenal that, that you, can't, you can't take it away. One of his greats. Top two, like number two, hands down, easily. Easily, yeah. But number one. Number one is Jaws. Number one. You know, you you hear the theme song, it instills fear. You know, I remember we talked about this in Shark Week. Mm. It's like the theme song alone is still creepy. It's still, you know, imagine hearing that and you're in the water. I think I said that. But um, Jaws, number one, it's 75. So it's one of his earlier works before Jurassic Park, before Shinless. Like, it's before so many movies. And to me, we we like to say originality. Mm. Like, this is the movie, I think, that kicked off the... What's in the water? You know, like, like I'm, I don't. What's in it? You know, I don't want to even put my feet in the. Right. You know, there's these beasts and people didn't go to the beach for weeks. It's like it. Ch- it changed America's mentality when it came to the ocean. And there were so many things that were going wrong with this film. The script wasn't done. The place that the, the locale that they chose, uh, it just it wasn't fitting with the schedules. It was just so many things that could have gone wrong, but didn't. And I feel a lot of that has to do with the direction that Steven actually chose in getting this film, um, like, done. Uh, But you did mention the score. So now, Steven has worked a lot with... uh, John Williams. John Williams. Now, we did have this conversation before. Like, how much credit does John get when it comes to Steven's success? Gotta go almost like half. At least. That's a big... It's a big number. It's a big thing. (laughs) It's a big uh, cut. But... You know, and I, I don't know anything about how much they get paid, but right. I'm going to imagine John Williams has to just walk in and they give him a blank check. Mm. And Spielberg is like, I'm not doing the movie unless, you know, right. he's with me. So I can imagine this is the case for many movies. I'm sure they're well paid. The difference is Spielberg being the director, he got all the fame. But John Williams, to me, is uh, legendary. 
as, as Armando was saying in the Star Wars episode, le- many legendary composers, John Williams is one of them. The greatest. Ooh, Ooh the greatest, okay. Yeah. Fight me, Maria. <laughs> but Jaws was still, is, uh, you know, hands down. That, Jaws is the other one that became uh, highest one grossing of the highest at the grossing time. Films, yeah, at the time. So three times. Yeah, Impressive. Steven did. Yeah, that's, I mean, what are you going to do? So that's our list, guys. I mean, again, this is this is biased. This is our opinion, film purgatory's opinion on what we think Steven Spielberg has like his greatest 15 movies. Um, obviously, Steven has a, an impressive resume. There's plenty of other movies with a wider range. You know, there's animated films, there's musicals, there's different movies, different genres that Steven has gone and and I feel like we can appreciate that from Steven, you know, like he, absolutely that that's what makes him to me one of the greatest, you know, the, that ambition that that there's no fear in, in, in anything like anything I, I'll do. I'll do great. The range uh, and the consistency. Right. High quality films. Definitely. If you haven't uh, checked out any of these movies, you can watch a lot of these on many different platforms. HBO Max has a couple. Uh, Netflix has some Hulu definitely check out one of the greatest directors out there steven spielberg so fredo have you seen anything recently i did um i saw don't look up oh okay that's leo. Uh, leo and and j-law um so it was it was entertaining it was uh, it was a nice little an entertaining movie this uh centered around a, a meteor that was going to hit earth okay and it heavily emphasized on how the public reacted to it um mostly touching on a nation being distracted you know, by social media and stuff like that mm-hmm. but if you ask me like it's just a covid film okay um, so like if you replace the meteor with covid it's it, the same oh, it, okay. it would fit like line for line okay and okay and you know a lot of the people that you know work in social media like um, i'm sorry in um in the media uh or the government or these doctors um they would say it's more of a documentary from how what their experiences were with covid you know a lot of people were like oh okay listen to the scientists right right, right. oh like the facts are there at some point in the movie it's like oh hashtag just look up like it's it's real it's a very real thing the comet is coming and then there's there's people who believe the comet isn't coming Mm -hmm. and then you know, it's just it's just very like COVID driven. Right, right. In my opinion. The... Not to say that it's wrong. I feel like, you know, a lot of it has very good points in a lot of these movies. Or a lot of points in this movie. But um yeah, I just don't think it was that necessary. It's a Leo movie, you know I'ma watch it. Yeah, of course. So give it a solid seven. It's a pretty good watch. It's not anything groundbreaking, so if you get around to it, it's on Netflix, might as well. It can it comes across right as one of those. <laughs> so you can you can definitely check it out. Next week, reluctantly. Ne- Next week, <laughs> we're finally gonna do it for Fast family and the furious. Not the quick and the angry. No. The slow and dragged out. Yeah. <laughs> Fast and furious. Yeah. Yeah, we figure it's time. Mm. We have to do it. Yeah. New year, new yeah, us. Fuck it. But we'll do it. We'll Fast and furious, everybody. 
Let's hit it. We're going to talk about uh, the good, bad, and the ugly. Jesus and family. Mm-hmm. So, are you excited about it? Mm, no. I'm like, but I, I think it's necessary. Uh, it's okay. I'm indifferent. I understand that that it has to be done. Mm. Fast and Furious, guys, next week. But that's going to do it, guys. We really appreciate the support and all the feedback. If you like today's episode or have ideas for future episodes, you can definitely get in contact with us. You can reach us at uh, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Our username would be Film Purgatory or Film Underscore Purgatory. And please remember to turn notifications on your streaming services so you know as soon as we drop the latest episode. So thanks again, guys, and we will see you next week.